Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. This is the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. We make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what we're going to do on this episode of The Seeker Podcast. Happy 2018, my friends. We have made it to another year. What will this year bring for us? What will we have in store? We're going to explore some of that on this episode of The Seeker Podcast. In addition, we're going to look at some current events going on in the news. I'm going to read a little bit, an excerpt from my book, I Am Human, Food for the Archives, because it's relevant to a recent post by Whitley Strieber, quoting some new research on some old research, talking about a parasite that performs mind control on its victims, and it may be impacting humanity as well. So I'm going to get into that. Also have some uh, some astounding predictions coming out of the Farsight Institute for January 2018. I'd just like to talk a little bit about where are we going this year. It's, it's a new year. It's a fresh start for a lot of people. Uh, and why not make it that fresh start? Uh, again, we're working on growing our six cents media platform we've thrown ray i think ray threw an article out there he's been backloading some of his content up there as well i'm going to give the website for the first time on the air right now i'm excited about it understand the site's a work in progress but if you go there you will not be disappointed there's some good content on there and my hope and ray's hope is that you'll see the page and you'll say you know what i like what they're doing here i want to contribute that's my goal Tonight, I hope you uh, check out the page. So, drum roll, please. Brrr, get your pen and paper ready. The website for Six Cents Media is six. The number six cents. S e n s e media dot net. Six cents media dot net. Please check it out. Check it out regularly. There will be more to come. I'm working on a newsletter subscription through that page. It's not up and running yet. I'm having some issues with it, but it will be coming to us hopefully shortly. All right. Uh, speaking of articles written by Ray at Sixth Sense Media, I'm going to share this um, you know, through my newsletter, through the Seeker newsletter, and uh, in the show notes <clears throat> that will be at servicechange.com and at sixcentsmedia.net as well. Ray wrote an article... Uh, he just published it at the end of the last month, and uh, it's relevant. It's called Your 2018 To-Be List. It's an, it, it's an article that Ray had written previously, but it's relevant uh, today. He updated to reflect today. I just want to read a part of it because it's inspiring. I have some things on the show that may seem a little bit depressing this evening. I want to start off on a positive note. That's how I want us to start off and forge ahead for 2018 as well. And uh, Ray is one of the most positive people that I know. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and read some of his article. Not all of it, because I don't want to steal Ray's thunder. I want you to check it out. But here it is. It's called Your 2018 To-Be List. And I like the graphic that he has here. It says To-Do List, and Do is crossed off, and he wrote B. And there's a reason for that, and I want you to listen to what he has to say here. Our society is built on getting things done. Productive action is an important ingredient to our success. The To-Do List is a staple of our productive I'm sorry our productivity society. We make these lists to remind us of the tasks we need to complete in a day, a week, or some other time period. Some people use them as a guide while others meticulously check off each task as it is completed. 
The super organized among us are probably already creating their 2018 to-do lists. Nearly all of us are thinking about the things we have to get done in the next year. Numerous motivational speakers and spiritual teachers have commented that we are human beings, not human doings. This is commentary on our propensity to focus on the doing at the expense of the being. Their goal is to remind us that we are here as surely to be as we are to do. They are suggesting an imbalance in our lives between doing and being. With our fast-paced modern rush-rush-rush society, who can argue? The extreme answer to reducing your doing this is to sell your possessions and go live as a monk on a mountaintop somewhere. You could spend your entire life just being. That's not realistic or even appealing option for most of us. Although, side note, I'd like to say sometimes I do wish I could do that. So how do you find a beingness, doingness balance in your life? How do you keep yourself reminded to just be or to become who you want to be? Created to be list. I know, I know. I see the paradox in suggesting a doing to improve your ability to be. Life is full of paradoxes. Now I'm going to direct you to SixSenseMedia.net because Ray has some suggestions, some very good suggestions on how to create such a list. Now, I don't want to steal all the thunder of Ray's article there, so I'm going to direct you there to go see it. But I struggle with this. This is inspiring to me because I feel like lately I'm just always doing and not being. And I'm trying to better connect again. And that's one of my goals for 2018 is to just to be in the moment, to be better. And uh, Ray, this inspired me, buddy. So uh, I'm happy to share this on the air as well. Check it out, SixSenseMedia.net, ServiceChange.com. It'll be on the Facebook page and the Twitter feeds, I'm sure, as well, with Six Sense Media. Okay, going through my, my own checklist here as I'm trying to uh, get stuff done. What else do we want to talk about? Some things going on in the news. I know that there uh, I don't have all the details of it. But there's some stir over the marijuana stuff. Uh, I'm going to read from Graham Hancock. If you haven't caught this news yet, Graham Hancock sums it up pretty well in his Facebook feed. He says, quote, The U.S. federal government has for decades been a dark force behind that evil and wicked global enterprise called the War on Drugs that has done so much harm to so many for so long. Regardless, the people of the U.S. state by state have been rolling back this cruel and senseless, quote, war by asserting the fundamental human right of adults to make sovereign decisions about their own bodies, their own health, and their own consciousness, including the right to use cannabis freely and legally should they choose to do so. Will Jeff Sessions try to take this hard-won freedom away in cannabis legal states where the people have already made their will clear in the ballot box? 2018 is shaping up to be very interesting in lots of ways. Again, it's frustrating to me to see this. Uh, you know, I went back and forth today with somebody. Just uh, Ultimately, it's, it's, it's tough when your government is telling you what you can and can't do when it deals with not just your own consciousness, but your own health. And I'm looking at the medical benefits of this. There are recreational, you know, uses for marijuana, obviously, that a lot of people partake in and indulge in. You know, and the question is, well, where do you draw the line? Because that was the argument we had today. You know, should the government legalize heroin? Should they legalize cocaine? Where does it stop? Where does it end? And you say, well, people should be able to make their own choices. And the argument that I heard today was, yeah, but they make the wrong choices. They make bad choices and it screws up their life. And then they so much crime and other problems come with it. And you know what? That's true. But here's what I'm looking at. You know, as I'm teaching civics this year and and studying the government in in a detail I never have before, you know, the American system of government was created by the people for the people. And we have elective and elective 
representative democracy, which means we vote for people who are supposed to represent us. Our legislative body is supposed to create laws that represent the will of the people to protect the people. Now, to be free, we have to. Get, I guess we have to concede certain things and be willing to give up certain things in order to respect the sovereignty of every other person around us. But where does that stop? This is a question I don't have the answer to. I honestly don't know. It's a frustrating thing to think about, but I'm convinced that our legislative body, for the most part, has been bought or corrupted through corporate influence and lobbyists. We all know that at this point in time. But where does it stop? If we look at our criminal justice system, is putting somebody in jail or finding them money the best option for this, quote, war on drugs? Because Drug abuse, drug addiction is more a disease. Eventually it becomes a disease. And yes, there's crime and things that come with it, but would our society be better if somebody was addicted to drugs? Instead of putting all that money to put them in prison, we invested that money in top-of-the-line rehabilitation and reintegration into society. Well, that would also require us to give a complete overhaul to our mental health system and our understanding of what people need that are dealing with mental health problems. It's a complex, complicated issue. I wish our legislative body was taking these approaches to it instead of saying, well, the federal government says it's illegal and we're going to go after people for exercising the right to do it. Anyway, I could go on forever. I don't want to make the whole show about this right now, but I wanted to at least acknowledge it. Let's look at some stories in the news here. The first one, it's some AI stuff. This comes from the Daily Star. Excuse me. Chinese robots to treble, I don't know what treble means, maybe that's a British term, bomb production as tensions with U.S. grow. Now, I'm going to comment on that heading there. I think this heading is designed to mislead you and make, not mislead you, but to play on your fears a little bit. Yes, tensions with U.S. and China have been there and they're growing, but this makes it sound like, uh uh-oh, beware, this might be the next war place. So it says, it goes on, smart robots with man-made eyes and arms could treble China's production of bombs and shells in less than a decade as tensions with the U.S. grow. Let's hope my screen doesn't freeze, as it tends to do from time to time. Due to the artificial intelligence, the bots could also produce more sophisticated weapons, such as guided missiles. Around a quarter of the country's ammo factories have now replaced many workers with the robots, which are believed to be five times more productive than humans. Okay. Uh, One assembly line that that used to have more than 100 workers, now only had three, with the rest of the work being performed by robots. One of the program's lead scientists, Zhu Zhishang, claims that productivity could grow by 200% once the robots were fitted in all of China's ammunition factories. Okay, so that is something concerning from a national defense standpoint, from an employment standpoint as well. Uh, I have another article shortly that I'll get to um, that talks about this, maybe the next one here. Uh, yeah, here we go. But this this is a real, uh, I almost want to say, crisis that we're facing, not just in the United States, but in the world, due to automation. We're facing another revolution. We had the Industrial Revolution, and now we're moving into, I don't know, the AI technological revolution. And, and robots are going to be replacing jobs. That's not science fiction anymore. That's not myth. That's not a conspiracy theory. These are mainstream uh, posts that are saying it, not that I think they have all the credibility in the world, but people tend to believe it when you see it on one of those mainstream flyers. But anyway, this one comes to us from uh, the SundayPost.com. It's called Planet of the Apps. Experts warn of a tech takeover as robots with artificial intelligence seize control. 
Amazon's Alexa service, Apple's Pod, and Google's Home Speakers were among the best sellers. I'm sorry, this the first sentence was, thousands of us unwrapped voice-activated electronic devices on Christmas Day. Uh, recognizing the human voice, the gadgets can play music, search the web, shop online, check the weather, and even switch on the lights or control the central heating. But while you're getting the, to grips with our new interactive electronics, a report last week sounded alarm bells over the implications of rapidly improving artificial intelligence. A study from the Institute of Public Policy Research warns of thousands of jobs being lost to robots, with those uh, with those on lowest wages likely to be hardest hit. You know, and I, I think of the example here. Side note: When uh, the fast food workers were asking for a higher minimum wage, well, they gave them higher minimum wage, but then they had to let a bunch of them go because they replaced employees with that touchscreen ordering service at the front of the store, which get rid of the need for customer service. So this is happening. All right, back to the article. And this is this is what's concerning here. Around 44% of jobs, accounting for about 290 million euros in wages, risk being automated in the coming decades. 44%. Mostly in low-paid sectors such as call centers, offices, and factories. Matthew Lawrence, a senior researcher at the IPPR, said, managed badly, the benefits of automation could be narrowly concentrated, benefiting those who own capital inequality would spiral. And that's the fear here is that those with a lot of money, those that are in charge are going to get rid of all their low paid workers for some robots that you don't have to pay. You just got to pay to maintain them. And it's going to create an even bigger divide between the upper class and the lower class. The middle class would disappear. Now I've been looking at this from an educational standpoint. I used to work for a cyber school. I spent a few years teaching cyber school and uh, we started rolling out a program in the school I'm at this year. And it scares me because the program is very thorough. It's very well put together. Um, it, it does not meet all the needs that students have uh, educationally. It's it's not leveled to match every single student. However, what's concerning is that as I'm watching cyber school curriculum and technology develop, it very well could be the end of teaching as we know it. If we have a cyber program that's a pre-recorded program. You have a few teachers that record a program, and that program is rolled out to millions of students, and then you just need a monitor without a master's degree, without training and education and teaching, to sit there and guide the students and help them with any technical problems they have. I don't think that's a good thing at all. There are benefits to cyber education. That's not what I'm saying, and it does work for some students. But it scares me that that's where education could go, as everything else is becoming automated in this world. Sometimes I think we need to put the tech down, pick up a book, go outside, sit under a tree, and experience life. I'll have the links to this article in the show notes. More from China. This is interesting from the New York Post. China's out-of-control space station is about to fall from the sky. This is interesting. The, ta- the tail end of 2017 was packed with interesting asteroid sightings and near misses that gave sky watchers a reason to look up. But the biggest threat from above in 2018 might be man-made. China's Tiangong-1 space station has been completely out of control for months now, and space agencies from all over the world are expecting it to come crashing down to Earth in early 2018. Unfortunately, nobody knows exactly when or where the massive hunk of space junk will land. Tiangong-1, which means Heavenly Palace, hosted a number of Chinese astronauts during its brief lifespan, but after its extended mission ended in 2016, the Chinese space agency revealed that it had lost communication with the spacecraft and its decaying orbit would eventually result in plummeting to Earth. That's not great news. Okay, I'll I'll have the rest of this so you can find out more about this in the show notes. Like I said, I don't like to always read the entire articles to steal the thunder there, but 
check that out in the show notes. They don't know where it's going to land. They don't know exactly when it's going to land. It's going to be sometime, they think, in 2018. But that is concerning. There's tons and tons and tons and tons. I forget how many tons it weighs, um, uh, but it's, it's pretty big. It's going to do some damage. Now, from what I read, their best calculations right now is it's most likely going to hit in a body of water somewhere. Fortunately, most of the planet is covered in water anyway, but there's like a slim, I think, 1% or 2% chance that it could hit a populated area. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope it comes crashing down to the ocean and there's no wildlife. But I believe it also has uh, some kind of cancer-causing toxic chemicals within it as well, which pose another risk. I mean, come on. We just can't catch a break. So we'll look for that. Keep your eyes to the skies. All right. This one's interesting. I want to talk remote viewing at the end of the show. I have, I forgot to plug this at the beginning. I have target coordinates for this week for my remote viewers out there. Please, please, please consider participating in the remote viewing experiment. Uh, I'm debating whether or not to do it at the end of the show or just give you the coordinates, but I seem to get better results when I walk us through it at the end of the show. So maybe that's what I'll do. All right. This article, Mexican Psychic Predicts No U.S.-North Korea Nuclear War. Woohoo! That's great news. All right, so what's it say here? This is from, uh, I can't even read the website, channelnewsasia.com. There we go. Mexico City, hovering over his tarot cards and holding a microphone to his wizard-like beard, Mexican Psychic Antonio Vasquez on Thursday, January 4th, said there was no need to fear nuclear war between the United States and North Korea. Better known as El Brujo Mayor, uh, which means the Grand Warlock, Vasquez is famous in Mexico for his predictions at the start of each year on subjects ranging from politics to celebrities and sports. So I guess this guy's got some accuracy. No need to fear that 2018 will see a clash between egos between U.S. President Donald Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un escalate into nuclear war. He said, Knight of Swords, no bombs will fly. They will reach an agreement. But there will be no such good fortune for Colombian pop star Shakira, who recently had to suspend a world tour after a vocal cord injury. And it goes on to talk about her injury and how he's saying she's not going to recover from it. Uh, my best to Shakira. Uh, again, and and look, there's a stigma with psychic data. Now, this guy uses tarot cards. Apparently, he's got some decent accuracy. I'm not discounting what he's saying. It, I do breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. I'm not dismissing this as craziness. You know, That's usually our natural instinct. But I'm going to look at that and say, okay, how can we corroborate this? Tarot readings, it's not a scientific process like remote viewing. Remote viewing has a specific set of protocols that are repeatable, that are measurable. I don't know that tarot reading is. It's not. Now, maybe his methods work. I'd need to know a little bit more about this guy. What's his reliability? What's his accuracy? What predictions has he made in the past that have come true? So, that's something worth looking into. I'd also recommend, you know, maybe putting some remote viewers on the target as well to, to look at that. These are the things that remote viewing is capable of doing. We can look at things like that and determine, you know, will this happen or not? So, uh, again, I, I'm a huge advocate for advancing our research and, and using remote viewing for predictive analysis like this so then we can make better informed decisions moving forward into the future. We don't have to go blindly. This is a tool that's available to all of us. We just got to spend some time training with it. Okay, uh, I want to move on and talk about some of the mind control stuff. Now, uh, Whitley Strieber tweeted tonight um, a new article on unknowncountry.com. Now, the article is called Eat Me. A new study shows how a common parasite turns mice into cats seeking zombies. Now, there is a lot of research about this. It's Toxiplasma gondii or whatever. I forget how to pronounce it. But um, I actually did a decent um, 
piece on this in my book, I Am Human Food for the Archons. I, I wrote about this specific parasite. I, I don't want to get into this. I want to talk a little bit about the, the state of our union, the state of the world, the state of existence, the state of reality. My, I guess my driving factor in understanding who we are and what our purpose is. And when I say what our purpose is, we could have our own individual purposes, and that's great, and we can define our own purposes. I firmly believe that. But why were we created? If we were, in fact, created, or was it just some random accident? Why were we created? Well, I think we need to look beyond ourselves, beyond what we want to believe, beyond the nice stories that we've been told growing up, the fairy tales and the myths. Let's look at some evidence. And that's what I try to do in Food for the Archons, to explore concepts like that, like who are we, why are we created, what is God if God exists? I can't say for sure either way. I have my own theories. But if you look at what this parasite does, it's an amoeba and it gets in and it affects the brain chemistry of its victims, in this case particularly rats, and it causes them to enact suicidal behavior. They're actually drawn to the scent of cat urine and they run out towards the cat's not afraid of the cat anymore and the cats then eat them why does this happen because the only place that this amoeba can begin its life cycle anew is in the gut of a cat so it has to die through the rats the rat being ingested by a cat in order for it to start its life again this is a tiny little amoeba and yes Research shows that this amoeba, they suspect, is within 44 to 50% of the U.S. population. Now, it doesn't cause everybody to go out and commit suicide, but they do suspect that it does have some neurological side effects for people, and it may increase things like risk-taking behavior. That's just one example. Now, in my book, I have several examples of parasites that do some horrible things through mind control. What does that tell us about our existence? That this, if creation is the way it happened, what does that tell us about the creators? Or some kind of intervention happened, what is the intention of that? What is the purpose of that? Maybe there's a, a divine reason, but these parasites inflict mind, or they, they use mind control, literal mind control, to cause animals to then suffer horribly. Some of them get eaten alive from the inside out for weeks until they die to then repeat the life cycle of the parasite, okay? So I will have Whitley's article or from Unknown Country. I'll have that up in the show notes. It'll be in the secret newsletter. It'll be at sixcentsmedia.net. It'll be at servicechange.com. So you can check it out and you can read a little bit more about this article uh, and the study and it has links, I think, uh, beyond that. But it's worth checking out. It's, it's, it's definitely, I think, it gives us that glimpse. Now, with that being said, I gave a brief background. I want to read uh, an excerpt from my book, uh, Food for the Archons. Now, I went through, in this book, I'm going to set it up a little bit. I was exploring parasites and looking at parasites and showing how this is a part of nature. Parasitism and these horrible, cruel deaths are part of the natural world. You know, we always think of nature as this beautiful, peaceful, serene thing, and it is. But there's also a darker side to nature that's natural. That is a, this is a part of life. This is a part of the cycle of life. And I was trying to show that. And I was also, I'm trying to stress and explain 
that things like mind control are also highly possible. It's done regularly and it's natural because I'm try- I, what I am demonstrating in this book is that there are forces at work that could be influencing our own thoughts and behaviors and we need to be mindful of that. Okay, so that, I hope that's enough of a setup for you. So I ended the last section just by saying monsters are real. And this subsection here is called animal cruelty. Life on this planet requires death. We are all consumers of life, and in order to sustain our own life force, we must ingest the energy of another. We may not be parasites infecting the brains of other forms, but we are predators responsible for the deaths of millions, if not billions, of creatures on this planet. We corral them, confine them, and torture them. We slaughter them carelessly, allowing their companions to suffer the screams of their dying kin. We lie to ourselves and our beliefs that the, cre- that the creatures lack feelings and understanding of their plight, and convince ourselves that these beautiful creatures are somehow inferior to humanity and our cravings. Some members of our society have decided to boycott such cruelty and consume only plant-based foods and products. But after reading the studies of Cleve Baxter, who demonstrated a measurable reaction among plants when harm was afflicted upon them or other life forms in their vicinity, does it really matter? If plants are in fact emotional beings, is there a difference between the suffering of a plant and the suffering of a pig or cow? In the end, it seems that no matter what choice is made, life was designed to elicit suffering and fear in order for life to survive. With the requirement for life to consume life on this planet, what does that tell us about our purpose and our role in the food chain? What does that tell us about ourselves? As humans, we often live in a world of intentional ignorance. We no longer slaughter the food we eat and are removed from the systematic daily process of death and cruelty committed against our animal brethren as they are prepared for consumption. We choose to avoid this routine and therefore have no remorse or respect for the lives that were lost in honor of our own nourishment. Through our removal from this process, we have allowed for the perpetual suffering of billions on this planet. We must remember, however, that we have a measurable connection to all life on Earth through the electromagnetic field generated from our heart. With this field, we can commune through our emotions. But through the nullification of this sense, we have lost our contact with nature. We have silenced our abilities to hear her cries for mercy. Nature, however, has never stopped talking to us. It is we who have stopped listening, drowning drowning out her with the groans of a hungry stomach awaiting its next meal. Perceptions may change, however, if we one day found ourselves to be the victims of such cruelty. If we were to realize that in the shadows of our ignorance lurked a predator, one that viewed us much the same, the same way we view livestock, as a proprietary source of nourishment. An object to be cultivated, corralled, and harvested. If we were to realize this possibility, we may change the manner in which we obtain our food. The predator is a parasite, like the ants of the acacia we have become drunk with its potion. We have become the roach injected by the wasp, calmly trapped in her burrow, being slowly consumed for our energy in the darkness of our own ignorance. The farmers are among us, and we are their cattle, and they are hungry. 
The next chapter, the next section in my book is called Glimpses of the Farmers. I look forward to sharing that with all of you. You know, it's funny, as I'm reading through this, I keep saying, oh, I want to I make this comment, and then I look down, and it's already written there in the book. Um, it, it's weird. It's like the book's written in my head already, and uh, every time I go to edit it, I say, hey, I got to add this information, and I look down, and it's already there. But that really, that comes from my heart, and this is, I feel that this is a message I've been trying to get out since, I, I guess, 2000, was it 2007, 2009? I think it was 2007. When I first wrote the essay, I Am Human, which turned into the, my free ebook, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, we need to stop and reflect. And it sounds dark and scary, but it was after I went through that realization that I felt that I actually did have hope because I, was a, I had a different awareness, a different mindfulness. And it is very sad. And, and, and looking at 2018, you know, I was thinking about something today. Um, I want to do better. I feel that I'm not based on what what I've discovered in my research and what I think is a part of our reality. I know I'm not doing enough. I think that I indirectly still continue to contribute to too much suffering on this planet. Uh, I'm going to try to go quick here. My Christmas tree. For the past few years, my family and I have gone <clears throat> to a farm and we cut down a tree. And we bring that tree to our home. We put it up, we decorate it. Now today, I took we took the decorations off the tree. I drug it through my house, threw it off my deck, went downstairs, grabbed it, and drug it across my property and laid it in my compost pile next to last year's tree. And I felt so bad doing it. I felt horrible cutting it down. But that's what we do, right? I mean, my wife and my kids were excited to get the Christmas tree. And I said, hey, I feel bad doing this. And, and people just don't understand. But after looking at Cleve Baxter's research, my fear is that plants do feel. And I know it sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I have this sense of guilt with everything. And it's, it's, it's hard to exist. And I go through, ever since my father died, I've gotten this horrible food anxiety and I go through phases where I don't want to eat anything because I feel overwhelmed with guilt. And I don't know what the answer is. I do think that there's something to be said for an animal living in the wild. And I don't know that I could bring myself to do this, but living a life of freedom. And then when it's time, you know, if you're a hunter, a quick death and you're a part of that process because then you're giving that respect. Every time before I eat, I stop and I give Reiki to my food. And my thoughts are, please receive Reiki at a time in your existence that you need it most. Because Reiki, I mean, it's timeless. That energy can go forward in time, backward in time. And I visualize a time when that life form was sad or upset or scared and it offers it a calming energy. And I hope that it nourishes my body and allows me to connect with my food and be thankful for a sacrifice that was made so I can eat. Maybe I'm sounding crazy here. But this is legitimately what goes through my head. And I'm working on that. So I want to do better for 2018. I want to find a way uh, where I'm not feeling as guilty um, and, and I'm eating healthier and I'm not... And, and we do try to buy... and. Make no mistake about it. We try to buy the grass-fed, free-range meat when we buy meat. 
I just, I, I worry that it's not enough. Uh, you know, and I'm not sure what to do about the plant stuff yet. I, I'm working, I'm working on it. If you have an answer, please let me know. If you think I'm nuts, please let me know. But anyway, those are my thoughts there on that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to some of our remote viewing stuff right now. But uh, I, I'd like to thank you for uh, entertaining me as I read uh, from my book. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, by the way. So please uh, message me on Facebook, hit me up on Twitter, um, or, or send me an email through servicechange.com or through sixcentsmedia.net and let me know what you thought of that section that I shared. There's much, much more to get into with this book, and I'm so excited to uh, to get it done. 2018, that's another goal. Get that book done for 2018. All right, let's talk Farsight. Farsight's Time Cross Project. For the last year and a half, they've been predicting the mainstream news one month in advance. So in December, they did remote viewing sessions and predicted the news for January. And uh, then they review the results. They're, they're doing really well. Uh, I talked about it, you know, a couple weeks ago about their prediction for the blackouts over Atlanta and stuff like that. This month, what they're looking at, and, and I'll have the links in the show notes and, and all the web pages and stuff for you to look at and watch this. Um, but two viewers both viewed the same event, which gives it a high probability of actually happening. Um, they saw a plane crash. And it didn't seem like terrorism or anything. It sounded like the plane. It sounded like there was a, a massive weather event going on at the same time, some kind of crazy cold or crazy snow. And the plane broke apart in the air and crashed. It was uh, pretty interesting. So something to watch for uh, to see what happens. And then they predicted this weird weather event. It was uh, near a, a town or city that's on the water, like a coastal town or city. And they just said like some vortex of water just shot up into the air and then just inundated the city she couldn't tell exactly what was the cause of that and in the analysis afterwards they were saying that it could have been a bomb which they think is unlikely or could have been an underwater volcano or could have been something else she said it looked like a twister it wasn't a tornado but it was something like that some kind of energy uh, so keep your eyes open for that some kind of flooding event on a coastal city as well but the far site continues to amaze me uh, with the projects that they're doing uh, they're well worth uh, your time and well worth looking at. We're coming up to the end of the show here. What I'm going to do now, i got two things left I want to cover. We're going to do a remote viewing assignment. Uh, let's do this on the air. okay? Let's do this assignment on the air. That way I, I think we get better results that way. Um, and then after that, I'm going to do a quick... Uh, real brief meditation to, to uh, you know, make sure we cleanse that any negativity that we're feeling, get that positivity out there, and we can spread that out to the world, to the community. I'm trying to do that each week to uh, more practice what I preach. I feel I've been doing a lot of talking and not enough action in 2017, and I need to start, you know, really putting my money where my mouth is and, and doing a better job at, at uh, you know, as Ray Davis said, being instead of doing. I want to I be the change uh, that I'm always trying to inspire. So, all right. So we're going to do a remote viewing session. If you're driving, if you're unable to do it right now, just go ahead and pause the podcast. I'm not going to give you what the target was at the end of this podcast, however. Keep that in mind. I'm just going to walk you through it, a brief meditation to calm your mind, calm your thoughts, and uh, I'm going to give you the target coordinates and give you some uh, some movements so you can uh, you know, work with it and try to connect to the target. We'll see if that works uh, better. So if you need to, Pause the tape, get yourself ready. What you want to do is you want to go sit in a comfortable spot, get yourself uh, a few blank sheets of white paper and a black or blue pen, Okay, preferably some kind of ballpoint pen that, that writes very easily. I want you to write the date 
in the top right-hand corner of your page. And I want you to write, when I give you the target coordinates, you're going to write them in the top left-hand corner of your page. Okay? So if you need to pause the tape, pause the podcast, pause it now. I'm going to resume in a second, and we're going to go through uh, a brief meditation to calm ourselves down, and we're going to do this remote viewing uh, you know, coordinates for the week. Okay. All right, you should have your plain white paper in front of you. You should have your pen in hand. Actually, you can put your pen down. Right now, what I want you to do, close your eyes. And you're going to take just a nice, slow, deep breath. A few seconds in through the nose. Exhale out through the mouth. Again, breathe in through your nose. Exhale out through your mouth. And as you exhale, I want you to visualize all the tension starting at the top of your scalp, the crown of your head, just draining and melting down through your body, through your face. Inhale again through your nose. Cleansing energy coming in, up through your heart chakra, up into your head. Deep cleansing breath out. All the way down as that energy and that tension just cleanses and rushes through your body all the way out through your feet. Your feet should be flat on the floor and you just feel that energy grounding out of you. Two more breaths. Breath in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. That energy is just flowing and you're relaxed but you're aware and focused. One more time. Big breath in through your nose. And breathe out through your mouth. Okay, you can breathe normally now. Pick up your pen, open your eyes. <clears throat> now the first thing we're going to do, I'm going to give you target coordinates, and you're going to write them down. And then we're going to start to try to connect with the target now, I don't want you to tell me what the target is. What I want you to do is describe the target. We're thinking colors. We're thinking textures, shapes, feelings. That's much better data than just trying to tell me what the target is. Okay? As soon as I give you the coordinates, I want you to write them down. Here we go. One, nine, four, five, four, one, four, three. Write those down. Take your pen. I want you to touch the coordinates with your pen. And right away, what feelings are you getting? What colors are you perceiving? What shapes are you feeling? Anything about the size of the target? The purpose of the target? Get any colors that come to mind? What feelings do you have? What textures come to mind? Just take your time. Connect with the target. If you need to, again, just touch your pen or touch your finger on those target coordinates, and it's as if you're actually touching that target itself. And you're connecting with it. That's your connection to it. Touch it when you need to, and write down the immediate impressions that you get. 
shapes, colors, feelings. Take as long as you need to. If you need to pause this podcast now, go ahead and do it while you finish your session. At the end, when you're finished, try and draw a sketch of what you think the target looks like. Okay, again, if you need more time, go ahead and pause it. I'm going to move on to our our closing meditation. Email me your results, and I will send you your feedback. Um, Again, you can find me through the Sixth Sense Media page on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Sixth Sense Media. Find me on Twitter, uh, six underscore sense underscore media at sixthsensemedia.net, or you can find me at serviceofchange.com. Those are the places to reach out to me. Okay, moving on. Put your pen down once you're done. Close your eyes again. You should already be feeling relaxed. Just take a deep cleansing breath in and a deep cleansing breath out. Let the target go. You'll get your results. I want you to now shift your awareness again to a time where you felt happiness, you felt peace, you felt love. Is it with a person? Is it during an event or an experience? Is it a special song that makes you feel well? Experience that again. Focus on what that feels like. Don't just think of the moment. Feel that feeling again. I want you to concentrate that feeling into your heart and let that vibrate throughout your entire body, up to your head, out through your arms, down through your feet. Feel that happiness or that love. Now picture that shooting out of your heart, projecting in all directions and going to the people you care about, going to your family, going to your friends. And push it out further to your neighborhood or your community. And further still to your state. And out even wider to your country. And now picture yourself further back and this feeling coming out of your heart and covering the entire planet because that's how powerful you are. That's how powerful these feelings are. You are changing the energy of the world around us. Keep sending that out there. All right, my friends, this is going to draw to a close. I got the idea for this meditation based on the research that was done through the Maharishi effect. I'm not just making this up and pulling it out of nowhere. Uh, There has been good research that shows that 1% of meditators in a given area can impact uh, levels of violence and crime in the targeted area. And we know through heart math that the energy that comes out of the heart does impact those around us. This is all solid research. Again, we're putting that research into practice here on the Secret Podcast. We're breaking down barriers here, making the paranormal and the supernatural natural. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm bragging a little bit, but all right, that's all the time I have. Please, if you enjoyed this show, please share it with somebody who has an interest in this or somebody you think would benefit from hearing this show. I wish you all a wonderful, happy, and healthy New Year. Happy 2018. We have the power to do awesome things and bring about positive change in this world despite some of the negative scary things that are out there. I truly believe that or I wouldn't be doing this show. Even when I share scary stuff and talk about negative things, it's because I believe 
we can do better. All right, my friends. My name is Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Oh,